What's going on, everybody? Thanks for being here today with us. If you guys are listening or watching online, welcome. It is good to have you here with us. So we are, uh, we're just been really excited. Um, man, we were in this building pretty early this morning. Uh, the leadership team was gathering together about 8 a.m., and we, um, we're switching things up a little bit, all right? So there's going to be new structures to how we you know, conduct our time in this space. Um, we want to be a house of worship. I mean, look, this is not a Sunday stop, okay? <laughs> what we want to do is we want to live lives that worship God, and the blessing is that when you're in community, you get to do it together. So that's the heart of a church, to really come together, join their voices, to praise and worship God. And so what we're going to do is moving forward, like I said, the leadership team kind of tested this out this morning, but moving forward, we're going to have a prayer service at 930. All right, so this is the time where we get to pray, talk with God, and we get to hear back from God through the power of the Holy Spirit. So that's going to be available to anybody uh, at 930. You can join us here live. We're also going to make it available to you to listen in if you'd like. But, um, yeah, I mean, this is the fellowship starts when you walk in this building. Some of us get here a little bit earlier, and uh, you're more than welcome to join us as early as your heart desires. Um, but then at 10.30, we're just going to have our traditional service, so that'll be a time to worship God through music, and then we'll have uh, a teaching, too. But, you know, with, um, with all that, I mean, there, there are some new changes, um, and it's exciting. Some really cool, exciting things going on. And I just feel like it's, it's just very heavy to communicate this message this morning, and that is this, this callback to, like, purity, Okay. You see, whenever God does something big, whenever there's like revival or, or, or there's a big move of God, there's always this call to like clean things up, okay? So like Joshua put it like this to the children of Israel right before he led them over the Jordan. He tells them this, he says, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow God will do wonders among you. So to consecrate yourself means to just like, Set yourself apart for holy use. Okay, so it's like, God, I'm here. Like, use me. You know, let's, let's work through me, God, kind of thing. And he says that God's going to do wonders among you. And that is a very common theme with people who come to God. They purify themselves. They say, okay, I'm, I'm here. I want to set myself apart for holy use unto you. I want to sanctify myself. That's another word for to consecrate or to make pure, to make clean. So God, I, I, I want what you want. I want you to work through my body, just like I was originally created, that you would dwell with me. Your spirit would be in me, just like it was Adam. And so tied with this theme of purity is that word repentance. Repent. And so, like, <laughs> I don't know about you guys, but when I w growing up, this word repent always had like this like guilt and condemnation associated with it like oh dude you're trapped in that sin you need to repent brother like yeah you you should <laughs> you know and so like <laughs> you know it just had this like man this guilt and this condemnation associated with it but that is so far from what we see in scripture you see the word repent is not to condemn you or to bring condemnation but rather, it's meant to give you an invitation, 
Uh, every time, I, I'm just going to focus on the New Testament here. When we see the word repent a lot, first it was with John the Baptist. So this is the prophet that came before Jesus to kind of like prepare the way. So he had the Jewish people repent. And let me, let me kind of get into that word. It just means to turn around, all right? So to repent from something, it's kind of like two parts. Come on in, you guys. It's kind of like two parts. One is a confession that you're not in the right direction. Maybe it's an action. Maybe it's sin. Maybe it's just a thought pattern that's just not, over time, is kind of developed where it's just like, man, this is not necessarily what God has intended. So there's part one of repentance is to confess it. And then the most important part is to take like another step in the opposite direction and pursue the right way of thinking or acting. Okay, so that's repentance. All right. And so John the Baptist, this is the prophet. Jesus said he's the greatest prophet to come because what he did was he prepared the way for Jesus. He brought the Jews back to their original covenant with God. And he said, come on, repent, get back to the old covenant, cleanse yourself, dip yourself in the water, come back out, and you're, you're a new man, you're a new woman, and you're ready for what God's got for you. He brought him back to it. And then Jesus comes, and his message, it started with this, repent. For what? The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus said, repent, turn from your current way of thinking, your current understanding of holiness, and turn your hearts to the heart of God because there's something greater. It's this thing called the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is God's dominion, God's realm, God's power. Essentially, it's heaven invading earth now. And he's saying, yo, it's, it's available now. It's here. It's here. So repent. You see how it's like there's something better every time? And then after that, you have a big time uh, area where we see repentance. And that is Jesus lives, lives his ministry. He's crucified. God raises him from the dead. And God gave him this promise to give all of those who believe upon his name the gift of the Holy Spirit. And this happens the very start of the church. It's on the Jewish festival, Pentecost. Everyone's gathered together. The Holy Spirit falls on these 12 followers of Jesus that were just praying. There's this huge, mighty rushing wind, and everybody in Jerusalem, because Jew near and far, came to the city. And they heard this. They heard this noise. And they asked Peter, they say, what is that? A lot of them thought these guys were just drunk. Some of them were just, what is going on here? And Peter gives the whole layout. Yeah, this Jesus Christ, the one who God had anointed, the Messiah that you had been looking forward to coming. He was here. You crucified him. And now God seated him at his right hand and gave him the promise of the Holy Spirit for all those that would believe would get that Holy Spirit. And that Holy Spirit is what you all are hearing and seeing right now. And these guys, everybody, all the Jews that heard Peter give this like sermon, they go, they were cut to the heart, Scripture says. You can find this in Acts chapter 2. 
And they said, what must we do? <laughs> like, what must we do? We, we recognized that greatness was in our midst, the Messiah, the anointed one of Christ. And it's not just doctrine you're teaching us. We actually see and hear the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our lives right before us. What must we do? And what does Peter say? Repent. He says, repent. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of Holy Spirit. Repent. So you're going this way. Turn your hearts. Recognize the Messiah is here. Recognize that Jesus Christ is the forgiveness of your sins. He's going to pay that price for you that you could never bring forth on your own as a sacrifice to God. Jesus Christ paid that. Accept it. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So you see how there's something like greater in each time the word repentance in the New Testament initially was used. John the Baptist says, repent, Jesus is coming. Then Jesus says, repent, the kingdom of God is here. And then Peter, a disciple of Jesus, says, yo, you want in on this? Repent. Get in on it. It's, up, it's, it's, it's totally available to you. And this is very much available to us right now to experience the greater that God's got in store. See, there's something new. Every season, when something new becomes available, there's this call, again, to purify yourself. And so this might be like a pretty, con um, let me just say, maybe condemning, I don't know, a challenging message. Um, honestly, it, it's, I thought I'd have like some rah-rah message up here today. Um, but I want, you to hear, I want you to hear this because this is a, a <laughs> This is going to be the foundation of, of what you're about to experience. This is, this is an invitation to join in on what God's doing. So much like what Joshua said, he's like, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow God's going to do wonders among you. In the same breath, I want you to go to your father, your creator, and say, all right, God, maybe that thought process hasn't been right, or maybe that action hasn't been right. But I, I want to get right. I want to get right because I want to see what you're doing in this season. I, I want to experience you more. And how many, of you, how many of us believe that there's greater experiences available with God than what we've currently experienced? It just, it just it continues to unfold to us in our lives. I don't want you just to hear me preaching this today and be like, man, well, good for him. Good for that guy. Yo, this is a journey. And, and there is more coming. But it starts with opening ourselves up and essentially cleaning things up. I was talking with Brody. Brody's our, our six-year-old. And uh, we were on a walk. And I just, God was just filling me with these things. And, and so, I, so I started explaining it to him. And I'm like, Brody, you know how like, you know how like, you know, when mommy and daddy buy you new things, like for your room and new toys? One of our first requirements is that y you kind of clean out or get rid of some of the old so that you can fit the new toys in your bins. And he's like, yes, I get the ass. I love that. I get that. And so <laughs> I'm like, you know, it's kind of like us with God. Like God wants to fill our minds with the way that he thinks. One, he wants to fill our minds with a fuller and deeper understanding of who he is. But on top of that, he wants to fill our minds with who he says we are, right? 
and the things that he wants to do with us. He wants to show us our value, our purpose, and our place with him. And so God continues to reveal that to us, but he needs space to do it. If your heart has been hardened over the years, or if there is a thought process maybe that you've been trapped in or had, it's like, it's like too much stuff in your bins, in your room up top here. You know what is another barrier as well to receiving from God? And that's sin. Sin hinders us from receiving the more that God has available. That's a part of that purification process. We don't like to hear this part. We don't like to hear that we, we might have some things, a thought process or an action that we've entertained for a while that we have, we got junk in the room. We got junk in the room. And we want to clean it out. You know that feeling you get when you get something new? When you get like a new pair of shoes? <laughs> yeah, no. Um, for real. You get that, like, it's exciting to get something new, right? Come on, right? That's not like an evil thing, okay? I want you to know that every feeling that we have, it doesn't mean it's evil. It's it just, it, what's, what's creating that feeling, right? My point is this. If God, if, if we enjoy, if we feel good when some, we get something new, or we move into a, a new house, or we got a new space. That we, it's just, it's fun, it's fresh, it's good. Like, God feels the same way. Like, our, that feeling, that came from the one who created us, okay? And so, in the same way that we enjoy a fresh new feel, God enjoys the same thing with us, right? So when we clean out the room of our mind or our heart, and God's got some new space to dwell in, that is just exciting to God. He enjoys that. He's not a stale God. Like he likes, he likes, he likes that space. He likes the space to be clean so that now he can move some more stuff in. Why? Ultimately so that he can bless your life and he can show you more of who he is. That is God's greatest desire is to reveal himself to his people so his people, his creation could then display their creator to the world. And so when Brody and I are on this walk, we we're just talking, and he's like, Daddy, I got it. I got it. I got it. This is how you this is how you clean the room. This is how you clean the room of your mind. He's like, you can do this through prayer. And I'm like, son, let's get you a mic. Because you're about to be preaching. And I'm like, dude, you're so right, Brody. He's like, we could just pray to God. And, that, and he can help us clean the room of our mind or our heart. And I'm like, man, you got it. You got it. And so what it is that you, you, you perhaps got to clean up in your heart or whatever, let, let God reveal that. You know, and as I'm talking, you might already have some things that rise up. And you're like, dude, I just don't want to deal with that. I don't want to go there. Because it's very uncomfortable. It will cost you something. 
But I said this morning in our, in our leadership meeting, I said, you know, the message of the gospel, the kingdom, the message of the kingdom of heaven now being available, like that's free for everybody to hear. But it costs you something to actually live in it. It costs you something to actually experience God in those ways. What it might cost you is to give up something that's absolutely lesser than what God has in store for you. It might cost you some time. It might cost you to wake up early and just sit in silence and talk with him. It might cost you a, an hour of sleep to wake up every morning to just be like, God, what do you want to do today together? God, work in my heart and my mind. I just want to think what you think. I want to see those people that I deal with every day, my family. I want to see them the way that you see them. Like, that'll cost you something, but I can tell you it is so worth it. It is so worth it. And so there's this prayer that David, King David, you know, start off as little David, shepherd boy, and then, you know, takes out Goliath. We've heard the story. Becomes king, one of the greatest kings that, that Israel had seen. And he has this, and he messed up. Let's just be real. Some of us who don't know the story, I mean, he committed adultery, and then he had the guy killed. Uh, this guy was in his army, and just was not a good thing. He just kept, like, trying to cover up bad mistake after bad mistake, and it just got ugly. But what he did was he wanted his heart to be directed towards God. And God revealed to us readers, he said, David, this is a man who's after my own heart, right? Despite all the ways he's messed up, his imperfections, he's still a man that is after my own heart. And this prayer that David prays gives us insight as to how to go about being a man or a woman after God's own heart, okay? So he prays this in Psalm 119, verse 23 and 24. I'm going to read this from the Passion Translation. I like the way that um, this is articulated, but it says, God, I invite your searching gaze into my heart. Examine me through and through. Find out everything that may be hidden within me. Put me to the test and sift through all my anxious cares. See if there is any path of pain that I'm walking on. And lead me back to your glorious everlasting ways, the path that brings me back to you. That is a tough prayer. That's a, that's a bold, that it, takes, it takes courage to pray that. That prayer where it says, God, search my heart, know my thoughts, and if there's any path of pain that I'm walking on, help me get off of that. And that's what sin is. Sin is a path of pain. Any thought that God doesn't have that you entertain and you've meditated on essentially is going to be a path of pain because eventually it's going to leave a gap and it's going to push you further off the mark of what God has intended. See, what God has intended is called righteousness. That's like, um, I use this a lot in, um, in just kind of illustrating sin and righteousness, and that is darts, okay? Righteousness means like the gold standard of what God has intended his people to live by. It's like, it's like, it's, it's like in darts, 
some guy who created the dartboard said, well, the standard of playing darts is to hit the bullseye. It's like right in the center. Just like God said, the standard of living is going to be righteousness, which is essentially, we got to see it modeled out in Jesus Christ. But now sin is the opposite of righteousness. Sin in itself just means to miss the mark. To miss the mark of what God has intended. Ryan, come here. Powers, come on up here. Um, So, you see, when we miss the mark, we're not hitting what God has intended. And like David said, it's it's a path of pain. A lot of times, we have this, Ryan didn't know I was calling him up right now, so we're not in trouble. Yeah. And, but a lot of times we have this, this path of pain that we're on, and we just keep missing the mark. You see, some of us think that missing the mark is just the inevitable, all right? And it was before Christ. We were slaves to sin. That's just who you were. You were a sinner before Christ. So let me put it like this. The Bible says that sin had dominion over you, okay? It had power over you. It reigned over you. So that's like if I'm trying to play darts, bro. Uh, so I picked Ryan. He's a pretty big cat. So pull, I want you to pull my arm down. So like, okay, yeah. So I'm trying to play darts. Go ahead. Just go get it, man. Yeah. So, okay. This is sin. And try to, try to hit the bullseye with sin reigning over you having to i'm being my arm is a slave to sin right here okay all right bro so now thanks Ryan. you're good so so check this out now that sin's gone because that's what jesus did sin is gone and romans says that sin no longer has dominion over me so it says don't let sin have dominion over you so now check this out Since sin's gone and no longer has dominion over me, I'm not a slave to it anymore because I've accepted Christ. Now what I can do is I can adjust my stance and now I can properly hit the bullseye. It takes an adjustment though. But I want you to get this because this is one of the, for Danny and I, this is one of the most revealing pieces of information to us about 13 years ago once we started seeking God out and that is that you don't have to sin you know you don't have to sin anymore I don't know about you guys that was mind-blowing to me that was revolutionary because I was always told that you're a sinner you're going to miss the mark and you're just going to try harder God still loves you just try harder but you're always going to be that. You're always going to be that sinner. You're always going to be one who's missed the mark. Sometimes you, you might get lucky. But God has made it available where we don't have to miss the mark anymore. You guys follow me on that? Like, that's big. Just because you feel a certain way, just because you feel or you have a passion to do something that you know is not holy, you know is not godly, you know it might be a temporary fix. It's like a Band-Aid for a type of feeling. It just won't last. And like we read, it's a path of pain. 
but knowing we don't have to let sin reign over us anymore? Man, that's a new day. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says this. It says, whoever is in Christ is a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. It is a whole new day. It's a whole new life you get to live. That doesn't mean that the temptation for that feeling won't be there. What it means is it no longer has dominion over me. It no, sin no longer, that passion, that feeling that you have to go after something that God said, no, 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 I can provide something better for, that thing's no longer there. Romans 6, 12 I'm going to read this here. Let sin not therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. Do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but rather present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you since you are not under the law but under grace. Sin doesn't, sin doesn't control you anymore. Yeah, but I just, I just feel like, it's just so, I just, I have that feeling, you know, and I just, I'm weak. I get weak in those moments. Like my heart's right, but I just, I get weak at times. God can help you in that. Point is, you're not a slave to it. The gospel is this verse right here I'm about to share. Ooh, here it comes. Yeah, so like five, if, if I had to give you five, five of my, uh, I just got this the other day, like a couple weeks ago, like power passages, okay? Like there's five passages in scripture that have like literally changed my whole life. This would be one of them. This is the good news. It's in Titus, chapter 2, verse 11 through 14. For the grace of God has, it's already here, has appeared, bringing salvation to all people. It trains us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions. The grace of God has appeared, so it's already here. That's the power of the Holy Spirit that you receive when you accept that Jesus Christ is your Lord. And this Holy Spirit now, God's very nature, your direct connection to God is what works in you to help you renounce, say no to, push away worldly passions. And what it does is it trains us to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. Verse 13. Waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of our great God and of our Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave him, so this is Jesus now, who gave himself to redeem us from all lawlessness. Jesus paid the price so that sin no longer has dominion over us. 
He gave himself to redeem us from all lawlessness. Here we go. And to purify for himself a people for his own possession. You know, Jesus Christ just wants to purify you. He already redeemed you. He's bought you back. He put you back into the household of God. And now, since you're a person, a man or a woman of his own possession, he wants to purify you. And then to close the verse, to purify for himself a people for his own possession who are zealous for good works. Like, Jesus, he laid his life down. He became the ultimate sacrifice, a man who knew no sin, so that you could be set free from sin, the dominion of sin, and brought back into God's household where you can now live free and you can now be what's referred to as a slave of righteousness. Like, you're just marked to do the right thing. But there's a process. There's sanctification. There's this process of purity that's involved here. It says the Holy Spirit, the grace of God has appeared. So it's in you now. And it's training you to do away with the childish things that you used to entertain. To do away with the things that the world seeks after to be satisfied with. It trains you to do away with those things and to live godly lives, upright, holy lives today. As we are excited for the return of Jesus, we get to see him face to face. But in the meantime, what Jesus is desiring to do is that he would purify us here while we are here on earth. And as we're purified in our purification, we get this fire inside of us, this zeal for good works, like to co-labor with God, like, like excited to partner with him and say, when we wake up in the morning, God, what do you want to do today? How can, I, how can I help you, God? I was made to live in worship. To ma- I, was live, I, was, I, was, I was made to live and to just glorify you as I walk. Jesus makes a promise in the Gospel of Matthew. He says in verse 5, or chapter 5, verse 8, he says, For the pure in heart shall see God. The pure in heart are those, the word pure is to not have any mixture, any added mixture. So it's like God's, God's the, the center of your heart. That's what your heart's after. Like there's no one else. That's what your heart longs, longs for. Doesn't long for anything else. Doesn't long for riches. Doesn't long for the approval of man. Doesn't long for any of those things. Your heart longs for him. The pure in heart shall see God. I'm after seeing God more. He's revealed himself more and more to me over the past 13 years since Danny and I started seeking him out. And there's so much more to come. The pure in heart shall see God. When you date someone, there's no one else that you're going after. When I'm talking about a pursuit. If there's a man or a woman that you've, you know, 
you've been drawn to. You might think about your wife or your husband. If you're married, you go after that person. Like you pursue them. There's no one else. You pursue them. And that's that pure in heart. You pursue God, he's going to reveal himself to you. That's a promise that Jesus made that I am taking him up on. And I invite you to take him up on it as well. So there's something new in the wings. But it comes with this invitation to repent and say, God, I want that. I want more of you. I want to see what you're doing. I want you to work wonders among me and my family. I'm excited to see that, God. Did you guys say no longer slaves? Not today? Okay. That's nice. Don't, you don't want me to do that. <laughs> There's a, a quote I'm going to end us with, and that is, um, you guys know Billy Graham? You probably heard of Billy Graham. His daughter, Anne Graham Lott, has this quote. Ron sent this to me earlier um, this week. And she says, revival begins when you draw a line around yourself and you make sure that everything within that circle is right with God. Revival begins when you draw a circle around yourself and you make sure that everything within that circle is right with God. Do you know that you got a God that welcomes all of your shortcomings? He welcomes you to come to him with those shortcomings, those areas of sin that I was talking about, those thoughts that aren't right, that you've like, like let's clean some of the bins out, like that old stuff. He welcomes you to bring that to him. He's not going to judge you. He's like, yo, I want to show you what I can do in helping you clean things out so that you can receive the new. So the call is for each of us to do that individually. And then you watch the wonders that God's going to do in our midst. I mean, I've already seen, I know we're going to close, but seen so many testimonies in our family. It's unbelievable. Wonders. Like Nestor said earlier when, when he was opening up, he's like, yo, don't, don't lose sight of what's going on right now. I want you to remember this moment, he said. Remember this moment because this is going to be a launching point, I believe, for you personally to experience a greater measure and, and a greater understanding of who your creator is and your value, your purpose, and your place with him. But it takes you just getting honest and quiet with him. He's gentle. I promise you that. I'm close. God, we just thank you so much. You're just so good. Father, I thank you for just loving us. Thank you for the good news, Father. I thank you for the new that's coming and this calling to just get back and right with you. So, Father, thanks for helping us with that. Thanks for helping us see you as who you are. Thanks for helping us see ourselves as who we are. Father, I thank you for just um, 
Father, I pray for courage over people. Uh, I pray for humility over people to be able to have that conversation with you. No matter where they are in their walk with you, in their relationship with you. Father, I know you desire to bring the new to their hearts. A refreshing understanding of who you are in this season. And God, I just am just grateful for all that. Father, we praise you. We praise you. We praise you. And it's through Jesus Christ I pray. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys.